0: Welcome to Meltdown to Mastery, empowering women to overcome midlife crisis by rewiring the subconscious mind. Feeling overwhelmed, disillusioned, stuck? We all have. Here we explore inspiration and empowerment to navigate through the tough times and move to a place where hearts soar, minds manifest, and bodies heal. Welcome everyone. Today we have Greg Whiting, Greg is founder of PRISMA, a framework overlaying trauma, neuroscience, and energy medicine with somatic and mindfulness-based practices. He developed this while healing his own anxiety, depression, and chronic pain rooted in trauma. Welcome, Greg.
1: Thanks for having me, Jane.
0: Thanks for coming. So I thought we'd start out with what is PRISMA? It sounds really interesting, and I'm uh, you geek out on neuroscience, so we're going to definitely t- touch on that because <laughs> it's one of my favorite subjects. And I don't know, maybe there's a backstory to Prisma, you know, yeah. like you're, you say you healed your own trauma and uh, and that's usually where these great revelations come from, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I found in my journey healing, uh, a lot of traditional approaches to to therapy, uh, were ill equipped to really address the imprints of trauma and the residue of trauma stored in my body, and so I, you know, aside from struggling from trauma, had a severe curve in my spine, and I was suffering from debilitating chronic pain, and I just felt that most approaches to healing were kind of treating me top down, trying to force my body into a certain position that it wasn't ready to hold on to, or was kind of engaging, you know, my pain body intellectually. When, you know, there's just some pain that we can't think or talk our way through. So that led me on quite a journey. Um, uh, by serendipity, I was introduced to energy medicine, which is a really big component of Prisma and how I help clients heal anxiety and depression and chronic pain. Um, at the time, this friend um, int- offered me a massage. She was a massage therapist, and I did not want a massage. I was living in so much pain, that physical touch was just too painful. And so mm. um, she said, well, what about some energy medicine? And she introduced me to Reiki, and this was all completely foreign to me. You know, at that point, I'd maybe read a book on, you know, mindfulness, <laughs> but this is this a whole new world to me 25 plus years ago. And well, you were probably a skeptic, were you? Well, you know, the thing was I had implicit trust in her. And yeah. so I was very much happy to dive in. Right. Um, and and
0: probably in such pain, you're like, please, anything. <laughs>
1: yeah, You know, it's like when, when you've tried, and that's a lot of the clients and students that find me, they've tried everything under the sun without success. And so, you know, when you're kind of at the end of your rope, um, you know, I think you're willing to try Things that, you know, hadn't been presented to you previously. So within, you know, moments of, you know, working with her, I realized I found something I didn't even know I was looking for. You know, my whole body just started to soften. I was able to just take a deep exhale and just a lifetime of tension that that was all I knew. This chronic holding, this chronic pain just started to melt and soften. And I felt like I kind of just got to experience myself outside of my pain, which was a completely new experience. And so I I knew I was onto something (laughs) within a year, just started to study, you know, energy medicine and Reiki um, intensely that introduced me through that teacher um, into the world of meditation. So, after four years of studying energy medicine, I jumped to India for an eight month journey where I dove headfirst into meditation. And a lot of those meditation practices were very somatically oriented to help release stress and tension from the physical body to kind of create the climate for a relaxed and alert awareness. And then And Greg, what
0: is somatic
1: just for Yeah, you know, the the conscious mind is, you know, the the tip of the iceberg. It's what we think we believe. And the subconscious and the unconscious mind are what we really believe. And that's what takes up residence in the physical body, right? Mm -hmm. That's the and the emotions and the beliefs that are living in our cells and our tissues and are literally impacting our physiology and our physical health, not just our mental and emotional health. And so somatics is really getting into the body, how we are experiencing, you know, our psychology very much on a physical level. And so somatics is helping to, yeah, get into this experience of self in the body where, you know, when it comes to trauma, we often leave our bodily experience because the imprint of trauma, if we haven't had enough support and safety, you know, during a traumatic event will signal that it's not safe. And we, you know, have an adverse experience that we may not have the capacity to metabolize and process. So we leave the body because it's just too overwhelming to actually make contact with the pain.
0: Right. So. And, the, and the triggers or the reminders can happen without our knowledge even.
1: And how, you know, that's very much happening, not just in, mentally, but uh, physiologically as well. And so mm-hmm. a really strong feedback loop between the body and the brain and the gut and the nervous system. And so working somatically is helping to address the imprints of trauma um, on the body.
0: And releasing it, right? Like through through movement that's safe?
1: I release maybe a part of it or containing it or helping the body actually come into a recognition and an understanding of it, helping the the body, the brain, the nervous system um, make sense of it. So there are some cathartic experiences that are very much organized around releasing, releasing and letting go. And while that may have some value sometimes, I think the deeper level of healing is helping the system start to metabolize it, integrate it, synthesize it, digest it. So catharsis is often kind of a movement of energy up and out, where I look at a synthesis of energy is kind of in and down and out. Um, literally, we can release through our bowels. You know, like Chinese medicine, colon time, five to seven a.m. It's the ideal time to have a bowel movement and really release kind of the the energy from the previous day, and not not just from our food, but from our thoughts and our emotions. And so, you know, so catharsis can sometimes give us some relief, but it may not always fully help us metabolize the, the underlying
0: imprint of trauma that is stored in the cells right and so by metabolizing it you help the body realize that what it thought was like threatening isn't necessarily right you you integrate it
1: yeah it's helping the system healing is really helping us reconnect to our innate wisdom And the more we are in touch with our innate wisdom, then the more we derive a sense of connection and safety and support within ourselves and within our world. So then we can start to make sense of traumatic experience that at one point was not safe, that was not okay. So we derive enough okayness within ourselves to actually be with what was not okay. And that's how we start to develop a robust relationship from ourselves to ourselves. And that becomes a healing tonic. You know, this innate wisdom is, you know, what will heal a paper cut. It's this healing intelligence that'll send platelets and proteins and orchestrate all these biochemical transmissions. And that healing mechanism, you know, that innate wisdom heals the paper cut while we're having this conversation, while we're taking a nap, you know. so there's this healing intelligence that is functioning without us having to think about it.
0: right?
1: You know, the imprints of trauma really short circuit the nervous system and that breaks down our connection to our innate wisdom. And so then when we lose connection to our innate wisdom, our body's natural ability to heal becomes compromised. So, My role is really not to focus on trauma. My role is to help people reconnect to their innate wisdom. So instead of catharting to release trauma, I'd rather help people align with their innate wisdom and then their body can have a new relationship with the pain, have a new relationship with the fear. So the pain and the fear that historically was too much or too long uh, or the imprints of trauma where we didn't get enough, so not enough. Um, we start to we start to n- navigate that and and find a sense of okayness.
0: Yeah, that's why I find um, counseling is kind of just going in a loop, not really doing what you're talking about because you need to get to that place where the trauma is neutralized in a way, right, and integrated. So, Greg, do you have An example in your own life like your own trauma that that people could relate to that would help them understand exactly the process
1: um so my journey unraveling my spine you know i stand three inches taller today than i did 25 years ago
0: so is it scoliosis
1: scoliosis
0: yeah Yeah. because most people think you can't heal that that's so interesting so yeah carry on
1: um yeah there's there's a lot of limitation in our current medical model of what's possible and what's not possible. And when we connect with our innate wisdom which you know western medicine is not really in the business of connecting people to their innate wisdom you know it's immensely <laughs> exactly. valuable when it comes to you know if i have a broken bone i want that bone set and there's tremendous value in western medicine not knocking it but Its capacity to actually help us connect to our innate wisdom and heal is is quite limited, Um, and so working to connect with innate wisdom can help us heal. You know, our you know because people yeah say scoliosis you can't heal scoliosis that's you know hereditary or genetic and it's like well our genes are highly malleable to environmental influence and so if we that's why a lot of you know hereditary patterns activate you know in some people and not all people based on you know their lifestyle. So if we have a lot of stress and trauma, that may make it more likely for you know a hereditary pattern to activate within us. Um, but we can also have positive environmental inputs like healing practices, which then also can help to. You know, shift the genetic code uh, and shift these patterns. And especially something that we come into the world with is going to become the flypaper for trauma to stick on in this lifetime. So if I came into the world with scoliosis, that was already an imbalance and a weakness that then adverse experiences in this lifetime, you know, we're able to latch onto and compound and, you know, amplify. And so,
0: yeah, healing. And give you the opportunity to heal. <laughs> right? um,
1: for me, and yeah, most certainly. And so working with, you know, not only the energy medicine and the somatics and the mindfulness, working with all of those in tandem are really helping to dissolve the imprints of trauma as they're stored in the body. And that helps to dissolve the identification with wounding, which, you know, our identity becomes kind of our posture, it becomes our costuming, it becomes the masks we wear. And so if we are wearing a mask and a costume organized around wounding and pain, that's going to present itself. And so, you know, the severe curve in my spine certainly amplified around those patternings. And so, I love the imagery of a symphony orchestra. So, if the body and the mind and the spirit are a part of a symphony orchestra, you know, and all the tissues, all the cells, all the muscles, all the hormones, all the neurotransmitters are part of the symphony orchestra. When we're experiencing health, there's a musicality of being all of these different parts are in constant communication and there's just a healthy dialogue happening Sorry. excuse me which is creating music and then disease and illness are really the representation of that music starting to break up you know the nervous system short circuits because of stress and trauma and instead of making music we start to create a whole lot of noise. And so the more noise we create, the more disease, illness, and symptoms start to surface. And then the more disconnected we are to our innate wisdom. So in reconnecting with innate wisdom, we come back into that musicality of being. So all of the emotions that were organized around my trauma, you know, my body was then able to synthesize and process and make sense of and no longer hold on to. So then the beliefs and the behaviors organized around those emotions were no longer necessary, you know, strategies no. that my system needed. Yeah. So then the whole organizational intelligence of my body was able to repattern. So then instead of holding on to a posture that is trying to guard and protect me, um, you know, if I'm no longer living through that lens of, you know, danger, then my whole system can actually, you know, live from a very different place, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and physically.
0: Yeah. Scoliosis is really interesting. Um, As a homeopath, I find it interesting because in homeopathy, we look at myism and, you know, which looks at maybe family family lineage or um, past life trauma, perhaps, and coming in with something, it can happen um, perhaps in the womb, but it could be something you bring forward, you know, that need, still needs to heal from another life. Did you, did you get into that at all?
1: I find that working with energy medicine is really helping work through those imprints without having to... To really possibly. know, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and and we don't always need to know. It's it's more the imprint that we need to under just see and understand.
1: Um, but yeah, for sure, I work with another energy medicine um, system called Body Talk, which is a completely comprehensive healthcare system, and so we'll work with imprints from in utero and from past life, and so that's all, you know part of it you know we're not blank slates when we come into the world we all come into the world with predispositions right based on you know hereditary factors you know generational patterns of trauma and so um yeah we're definitely not blank slates and so
0: um, yeah and it's just something that mainstream medicine doesn't consider either so i just wanted to see what your perspective was on it because it's so interesting yeah it's a big
1: yeah. for sure
0: beautiful okay so yeah so prisma back to that what so it overlays all this information just tell us more about it
1: so i when i came back from india i started to just intuitively teach what i had kind of started to gather around energy medicine and reiki mindfulness and somatics then I started to study yoga and Ayurveda, and developing a deeper understanding of the subtle energy body. Um,
0: and wait, so, what's the subtle energy body?
1: <laughs> um, so, the subtle energy body. We can look at it through the lens of Chinese medicine and the five elements. Right. We can look at it through. Um, or Ayurveda has a different map of the elements. And so what are the overlying energetics that are part and parcel of who we are? And so we all have different constitutions energetically. So some of us are going to carry more earth and water. Some of us are going to carry more fire and air. Um, You know, so we're all, we all are carrying different qualities energetically and mm-hmm. to bring balance to those energies. And so part of the energy body too is recognizing the the beliefs and that we are carrying in the different parts of the body and recognizing the different qualities of consciousness in those body parts and how the beliefs we carry subconsciously unconsciously are having an adverse experience on you know the mechanical function of our body. And that's having, you know, adverse experiences on how we view the world. And so it's bringing attention and awareness to the subtle energy body, these different aspects of, you know, what is really driving us from the inside out. Right. Overlaying these teachings, um, I was then one of my students about nine years ago, um, was just struck that how I was teaching was just very much through a trauma-informed lens. And at that point, I hadn't—that um, wasn't my language. I knew I was healing my own trauma, but I wasn't. Yeah, I hadn't studied a trauma-informed approach, but intuitively, that's just what I had developed. Um, and she was a, a, a psychologist, and she was a professor at the California Institute of Integral Studies and she invited me to uh, become her teacher's assistant uh, in the trauma course that she was teaching at CIIS. She wanted me to teach mindfulness-based practices to the students to help them integrate the course material, Um, and so that's when I started to build on kind of this this trauma understanding, this trauma neuroscience lens, and so kind of overlaying that. So Prisma today is really providing A roadmap, if you will, to understand, you know, and in a very, in a way that's very practical and accessible. I think it's really important to democratize healing and make as much information as readily accessible for people to, you know, bring the power of healing into their own hands. So the the PRISMA is really offering a trauma and neuroscience roadmap that helps people kind of orient to have. Understanding of where they are on their healing journey. And so for me, I know I was, you know, going to therapy and seeing healers and practitioners for years. And I knew I was making some progress and I knew I was on the right track, but I didn't really know where I was headed or where I was going. You know, I didn't have an understanding of the nervous system, let's say. And so having, having that basic understanding, I think, helps people orient to where they are and where they're headed. And then having that. Overlaid with the somatic and mindfulness based practices is really the mind training that is helping us reorient from pain to possibility and to dissolve the identification we have around wounding so we can live in just greater presence. And, you know, the energy medicine component is what's really helping to address the residue of trauma that is often pre verbal or intergenerational that we don't have um, words for, um, but it's really calming the cardiovascular system, it's regulating the nervous system, it's strengthening the immune system, which are all really important pieces that um, really help us reconnect to our innate wisdom. And so as we align to our innate wisdom and we have this map by our sides, we can, can make sense of you know, our struggles and, and derive more meaning and significance um, along the way
0: right because they're all individual and we all have a unique path toward that healing which brings about it opens up so much more when we go down these paths so you you said the first step is to teach people about the nervous system and is that the whole neuroscience or the mind-body connection that you're just awakening them to
1: Um, So the seven Prisma pillars, the first pillar is regulate. And so that's, um, yeah, just understanding the the nervous system drives um, and just doing kind of some mapping and understanding of these drives uh, just at a very basic level. You know, the first stage is just awareness, right?
0: Yeah. And could you give us the Cole's notes on that, that would bring awareness?
1: um, In terms of, well, it's really people mapping how these patterns are showing up within them, their own lives. So the fight, the flight, the freeze, appease responses. So understanding kind of the physiological responses of hyper arousal, hypo arousal you know, re augmenting our relationship to stress so we can broaden our window of tolerance and, you know, stay in a more optimal zone of arousal. Um, and, you know, have an understanding of when we we flip our lid and lose access to our upper brain and default to our survival brain um and so just starting to then develop um you know a mindfulness based practice just to notice that
0: yeah uh, that because right so important because um like our unconscious like you said is is wired through the teachings as children, and there could be trauma in there that becomes hardwired. And then we go into an, an immediate stressful response just from being triggered from something that's even similar. And so just being aware that, you know, when we go into those stress responses, that it's not it's not the life or death situation that our unconscious mind thinks it is. You know, and that awareness brings us to a place where we can start to manage it. So I I love that.
1: And it's understanding that often what is presenting as hysterical is often historical. And so mm-hmm. uh, and I think the good news is it 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 feels as though it's hardwired, but that's the beauty of of neuroscience, is it's actually not it's softwired so we can go back in and rewire right so neuroplasticity the brain has a remarkable remarkable capacity to you know generate in in a new fashion and so the foundation of that is developing a safety resource because we yeah we can't we can't remodel the brain if you will from a place of fear so you know there's a big component of deriving safety and connection and presence which then allows you know our own imagination is literally what creates the structure of our brain so if we're living in a trauma vortex we're going to be creating more of the same danger hyper vigilance fear you know mm-hmm. overwhelm. and so as we start to have a new baseline of nervous system regulation it affords us the capacity to yeah, generate new neural pathways, which then is helping us not only restructure the brain, but restructure our lives.
0: Yeah. Beautiful. So we got to pillar one. Is there, are there more pillars?
1: So yeah, embodiment is the second pillar. And, you know, just like a bird that flies into a window and drops to mm-hmm. the ground, it's in shock, right? It can't Process the impact of flying into the window. So it has to leave its bodily experience. So, embodiment is helping us learn how to return to, you know, inhabit our instinctual wisdom and come back to our capacity to actually feel ourselves, to actually get in touch with what we desire. Um, and to, you know, from that place of feeling, reclaim access to presence and agency. And so, that's where I do a lot of work with the elemental body, um, you know, grounding practices, earth, you know, working with the water element around fluidity, working with the fire element around transformation and how all these elements actually have, you know, physiological functions, not only, um, not, you know, beyond just kind of the emotional and psychological components to so help people kind of really assess their daily energy. And if they need to create a counterbalance, you know, so if someone's really stuck, really heavy, really depressed, they may have too much earth, and they may need some air, or they may need some fire to activate their energy or to lift their energy up. If someone's really anxious, they have probably too much air, too much space, and they could probably use some good grounding practices to help, you know, create a counterbalance. So helping folks really get into their bodies and understand these different expressions of their body bodily experience and how that's impacting thoughts and emotions and behaviors and mindset and rhythm and so that could be Mm -hmm. you know the pace at which someone goes on a walk or works out or does yoga right some days you may want a more invigorating practice that's faster paced and another day you may need a much slower practice that's really still and really steady. And so, um, learning how to 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 notice and then to modify and adapt.
0: Right, I love that. And so, li- listening to what we need and paying attention to our own bodies, but you're also incorporating the pieces that exist like we we lose the disconnect to the earth is what i'm trying to get at. <laughs> and so you're reuniting us as humanity in that 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 grounding and the elements of the earth that we're all a part of.
1: Yeah, so much of healing is just our remembering, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: It's a trauma are often you know, perpetuating cycles of alienation, of disconnection, of fear. And so then we're losing contact with ourselves, we're losing contact with, you know, our relationships and the world itself. And so, (laughs) you know, working through the lens of Chinese medicine, it's like a recognition of the Shen. The Shen is the spirit, the spirit that is but really the light that shines through the eyes. And it's also an understanding that it's one light that is shining through all eyes. So our connection to, you know, universal spirits, our connection to that which is, you know, greater than oneself. And as, you know, we can see a disturbance in Shen when, you know, someone is as uh, unprocessed grief, or, you know, that heaviness in their eyes, that depression, you know, or the anxiety, that lack of clarity and focus, you know, the eyes fluttering all over. So that's mm-hmm. a disturbance to Shen, that's a disturbance to our connection to spirit, that's a disturbance to our connection to the whole.
0: And so, right. so beautiful. Great. Yeah. And in that realization, too, we lose the fear of of death almost, because we realize that the spirit is within us.
1: Yeah. And that's a big, big piece of healing for sure.
0: Yeah. So, so awesome. Okay. So what, where are we on the next pillar?
1: (laughs) Um, Yeah. So attunement uh, is really, the working with the power of human connection, so reclaiming connection. And that's just really diving deep into emotional intelligence and working with emotions to navigate stress and to conflict and around, you know, understanding our needs and how to communicate effectively. And you know, trauma hijacks that hijack hijacks human connection, uh, trust, psychological safety. So really working through the emotional body to better understand, you know, what what we need, what we desire. Um, so that's a, a big component, but also the emotional piece around grieving the unfulfilled wish, grieving unmet needs, um, especially from developmental trauma, um, and holding space to grow in capacity to, you know, so much of healing is growing in capacity to feel the hard stuff that in earlier development would have been too much too soon, um, and so really mapping unmet needs and then exploring and developing the capacity to process the emotional impact of unmet needs.
0: Right, because with those unmet needs, we think we're lacking in something, and then we go looking for it outside ourselves in someone else or someone else's teachings. When, when we understand it. We realize that we we have everything and that we can love ourselves, which is that's the ultimate goal, isn't it?
1: And the honor then that to have needs is to be human. And so, you know, so many clients have come to me don't necessarily even identify with having trauma. Nothing nothing bad has happened to them per se. You know, mm-hmm. they've been on the receiving end of. Abuse, they haven't come from a war zone, they're not a refugee, you know, they haven't experienced violence, um, but it's actually what they didn't get. And in early development, if they didn't get, you know, consistent, reliable care, then early on, they that signaled that to get their needs met was not a sure thing. And so that could, in early development, put our very survival on the line. So then we learn early on to, you know, take care of everything and everyone out of our own survival and so then we start to subjugate our own needs or lose track of our own needs altogether as we start to you know become the adult in the room
0: yeah. right um, that's the the pleaser and uh right if we please everyone then we'll survive because they'll give back to us
1: yeah the perfectionist the, hyper- the
0: perfectionist yeah
1: metal to the metal mindset um yeah, that's so that's a big piece. So recognizing that we do have needs and to have needs doesn't make us bad or wrong and that and you know we're we're not meant to do this thing called life alone. Yeah. So understanding the power of the relational field and that's where healing is really, you know, some healing is our relationship from ourselves to ourselves for sure. Um and then the next phase of healing is, you know, through the relational field. You know, we're not as social creatures designed to live in isolation. So we can't mm-hmm. live alone and we can't heal alone.
0: You know, when uh when I was learning this, I was also a mother. And I realized like you you start to stress a little about some of the, you know, the unknown traumas you might be passing on to your own children by maybe they cried too long and you didn't know or. You know, you needed that bubble bath. And so you didn't meet their needs right when they when they were asking for it. and But this is the human condition, right? Like we all come in with some kind of trauma. It's impossible not to. And so you start to forgive yourself and forgive, you know, your own mother. And because it just is. It's just the human state. Do you know what I'm saying? Even
1: the most... Even the most emotionally attuned parents and, you know, children who have been tended to, um, it's impossible to be attuned to 24-7. So we're all going to experience imprints, you know, and that's just part of our developmental phase through the five senses. We start to perceive a world outside of ourselves, which then starts to set up this construct of separation, right?
0: Yes. Quickly, just... To, so that was also huge to me, learning, like, you you don't realize how much you learn through the five senses. As a child, it was all touch and taste, like you, you touched the rubber ball, you, you tasted it, right? <laughs> like,
1: just go into that a little bit. Well, the five senses become filters of perception, because we're going to have, you know, our first, ex- and it's often, right, a childbirth. And, you know, this is starting to be better understood today where, you know, a lot of a lot of people in hospitals, even especially like home births are not keeping lights on bright because if a newborn comes into the world, their first experience of their sense of sight is, wow, it's so bright. Like it's it's painful to see. Right. So then we're going to develop we're going to develop associations that it's, you know, painful to see the world as it is. Um, or, you know, baby boomers who would get slapped on the back, you know, to have the phlegm come out, right? So, then their first experience of touch, or if, you know, a a baby, a a newborn needs an invasive procedure or a shot, if they're, you know, so then their first sense of touch is painful, right? And so, then Mm -hmm. we develop these associations because our five senses as much as we understand the world is separate from us, they are ways that we connect to the outer world. And so oftentimes, if if we're having these initial imprints of hurt and harm through our five senses, and we don't, you know, regulate, then we can, yeah, from, you know, the first moment we're born, stay in an over adrenalized state of stress and have a stress response organized around our five senses, which then make our ability to navigate through the world really cumbersome, you know, so instead of looking for possibility, we're going to be looking for, you know, danger, you yeah. know, and so then even when we're experiencing really nourishing love and touch, you, you know, we will have associations that it's not safe. Um, yes. Yeah. So, you know, the sense of hearing is our really our ability to hear ourselves, to listen to our own hearts, right? And so how many of us through the world of, you know, healing, have a difficult time trusting our own intuition, listening to ourselves, right, because we're listening to everyone else's needs instead.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, so so even, you know, a newborn that... went through or came, had an illness like meningitis and had to be separated from their parents and there were needles involved in later in adult life, even, even the look of something pointy might put them right back in that stress state that they're completely unaware of, which would include being separated, you know, fear and all of that.
1: Or hugging their, their partner that they have implicit trust and love with, and it's a consensual touch. But if their first association of touch was painful, that may still be signaling to the brain and the nervous system that this loving hug from their partner is dangerous.
0: Right? And it's so confusing until you realize that it's just something from the unconscious mind trying to save your life, which is no longer valuable. (laughs)
1: So, Orient is the next module, and that's really around belonging within the heart and kind of shifting from fear-based motivation to inspiration, which is more aspirational. You know, on on, he, on our healing journey, oftentimes pain is what you know gets us on a path of healing. Um, so, there's value to motivation, but if we are only motivated, that's going to be kind of probably lead to burnout, and so. How do we set our sights on to what we're inspired to move towards instead of just what we're, you know, we're motivated to move away from and how we can, you know, explore that in relationship to our values. Our values are often organized around the most emotionally charged experience in our lives. And so I I work with a lot of purpose-driven leaders and entrepreneurs who, you know, are very aligned to their purpose, but they lack fulfillment because they are stuck in delivering on their purpose from a place of motivation. And you know, they aren't living from that place of aspiration. And so understanding that that point of tension and how to navigate and how to augment and move and align our values towards that which we're you know more inspired to move towards.
0: Mm, how beautiful.
1: Um and then the fifth pillar is narration. And so that's where you know, we may have done a lot of work to no longer be living at the effect of our pain, um, but we still may have a lot of behaviors and beliefs organized around the pain. So that's where we really start to flip the script on the subconscious and the unconscious mind and break through upper limits around behaviors and beliefs and do that in a really methodical way, mapping different beliefs and behaviors as they relate to different body parts and start to Yeah, create more generative, life affirming beliefs and behaviors. Um, And also, I think so much of the work is just to have an understanding of a regressive belief and an empowering belief. And at the end of the day, that know that, you know, my work is really organized around what if we can live beyond belief? Um, But sometimes having an affirmative belief is going to help us trend towards a, a vibrational pattern that's more life affirming and generative. Um, and then can we also let go of that so we don't, it doesn't become a crutch. Right. And then identity is the sixth pillar. And that's just really dissolving fixed and rigid constructs about self that have been often organized around wounding or the lack of a secure attachment. Um, and really understanding self as process and change. So what if we can give ourselves permission to become unrecognizable to ourselves and to experience self, you know, moment to moment to moment. And so that's kind of a place of innovation and, you know, where we can become dynamic and just live in our true nature, which is change. So we're not just repeating kind of carbon copies of ourselves moment to moment, but you know living in more present moment and awareness yeah and then the final pillar is impact and that's around really shifting from extrinsic motivation to intrinsic motivation and all of the pillars are really helping lead us on a journey from pain to purpose and instead of looking for purpose externally really coming to understand purpose as really an emanation of being and how who we are can become a healing force for good in the world. And so kind of just like a star in a constellation just knows its place in the cosmic order. So just resting in, you know, resting in ourselves um, and trusting in our place in the cosmic order. And that's, that's our purpose.
0: Right. And by doing that, we add to the whole
1: and that's where we make sense of, you know, even the most adverse experiences and, you know, traumas that have come to pass is that's just part of, you know, our our unique journey on this earth.
0: Right. Yeah. And that's what it's all about. <laughs> Coming to that place that you're talking about now. So beautiful, Greg. Thanks. It's, and. Uh- yeah, and it's so interesting, isn't it, how you came up with this through your healing your own trauma?
1: Yeah, I probably you know I've been teaching all of this in different pieces and components for the last 18 plus years. And then in the last three or four years, really started to reverse engineer it and kind of start to map out how all of these pieces fit and pair with one another to kind of create more of a, a seamless, system that um you know is really accessible for others to to learn and to support them in their own healing
0: yeah beautiful and so how do people find out more or perhaps get your system
1: yeah greg um, you can learn more about me and prisma i work with um a handful of clients one-on-one still over a nine or 12 month journey and then prisma is an online community where you have access to the Trauma Neuroscience Roadmap, and that's delivered through an online course. And then guided meditations, the somatic and mindfulness piece, which is access to three guided practices live or on recording each month. And then the energy medicine workshops, which are one-day workshops um,
0: throughout the year. Beautiful and powerful. Love it. So, yeah, so anyone, people can just go to your website and then start on that journey if it feels right. Yeah, it all
1: starts with a phone call. And yeah, uh, (laughs) we're a good match and really helping people kind of understand where they're at, where they'd like to be. And if these are the right tools to support folks, but primarily, you know, most people find me when they have tried everything under the sun and nothing has really moved the needle on their pain. And so... Yeah, for folks that are looking for new solutions to resolve anxiety and depression and chronic pain that are often symptomatic of unresolved trauma. Um, yeah, Prism is often a really great solution.
0: Right. And I hope there's a time when it's not the last resort and we come to a place where we teach this early on. That's my wish. I agree. <laughs> that might be that would be really cool.
1: <laughs> there are there are some folks that find me, you know, early on. One of my students, yeah, she found me early on in her healing journey,
0: and yeah, um, was
1: younger, and yeah, I so
0: yeah, but, but, but probably yeah, just open to everything you're teaching, right? And it just resonates, and then they're led there so easily, but. Beautiful work, Greg. Thank you so much.
1: Thanks for having me. Pleasure.
0: Loved it. And for everyone out there, don't forget, don't give away your power to anyone else. Be the creator of your own life. Spiral up, spiral out.